Recently, I was visiting one of our parishioners who was in the hospital. And for those of you that have visited a loved one in the hospital, you know how just kind of uncomfortable that environment uh, can be sometimes. You know, you got the machine that's making noise and the the fluorescent lighting. And, you know, certainly you you have nice, kind uh, hospital staff, hopefully. But nonetheless, there's just some unique aspects to a hospital bedroom. And so I was visiting with her, and um, she had been in there for quite a few days. And when I'd visited, you know, her television was too loud, and she couldn't find her remote. So I had to kind of help her, you know, find the remote and turn the turn it down. Um, the they had delivered her food, but at the time she was sleeping, so they, you know, it was off to the side, so she couldn't reach her food. So I was able to kind of get her situated so she could start eating. She needed something from the drawer across the room, so I got that for her. So just little simple things, and uh, we're having a friendly conversation as that's going on. And towards the end of the conversation, she turns to me and she says, Father, who taught you how to love? And I was really caught off guard by that question. I thought that was a really good question to ask. And, um, you know, it was a deep question. We weren't talking about deep things, but all of a sudden it kind of, she asked me that. And so I just immediately responded, well, I suppose my mother taught me how to love. I just kind of explained like how my mom has amazing qualities and all, there's all kinds of wonderful things I could say about her. But one of the great things that I love about her is that she's quick to notice. She's quick. She has a great intuition about the person that's before her. And she's quick to notice if someone is suffering or struggling or feeling left out. This happens sometimes in our family. We have a very big family. She's one of 11. There's a lot of grandchildren and great-grandchildren. And, you know, every now and then someone in the family might just kind of be either left out or feeling ostracized. And my mom is one of the first to notice and reach out when that happens. It also happens, she's a teacher, so it also happens in her classroom. She'll be quick to notice that there's a child who maybe is struggling in their family life or has some type of particular needs, and very often those families will recognize that my mom tends to be one of their favorite teachers. And so it's just, I've been able to watch her many years, like being quick to notice the person before her and to reach out and offer whatever assistance they may need. So in many ways, that has impacted me to be attentive to the needs of others. But as I left the hospital room and just kind of like went back to that memory a few times as days went on, like that, that question remained with me. It just really hit me deep and it, it got me to reflect, yeah, who really did teach me how to love? And certainly my mom did. But in addition to her, I recognized there are a few women in my life who have really had a major impact on me. So in addition to my mom, there is my grandmother, um, called her Momo. She passed away a couple of years ago, but um, she was really the great matriarch of our family. She had, like I mentioned, 11 children um, and 20-ish grandchildren and more than that, great-grandchildren. So very, very proud of all of her descendants. Um, and even while my grandpa was still living, it was, it was my Momo who really, you know, was the glue for the family. And... Um, and what was really great about her, she had this real gift for hospitality. So like her house was kind of in the center of Lafayette. And even though we all lived in different areas, any day or hour of the week, some type of grandchild or child or cousin or aunt or aunt, somebody was at the house just showing up unannounced, opening up the fridge, see what food is there, helping themselves, and really like just allowing that home, that space to be theirs. 
And my grandmother just had the greatest joy in just being present to her children and descendants. And even like the, you know, my uncle or my cousin who, you know, maybe doesn't really talk ever to anybody and is just kind of like, a, you know, a closed door when it comes to sharing their, their you know, inner life. One-on-one with my grandma, they would open up. Because she had this way of making us all feel very much at home in her house. And so it was a very hospitable, motherly place. Another woman who had a huge impact on my life was my aunt. And she was my, uh, my mom's uh, oldest sibling. We called her Sissy. She, um, she had Down syndrome. And uh, whenever my mom and my dad divorced when I was really young, my mom and I moved in with my grandparents, and Sissy was also in the house. And I was very blessed that I was able to be in the house with Sissy for the final four years of her life. And that was whenever I was in elementary school, so it was very formative years for me. And we got very close, and there was so much uh, that I, I learned from Sissy. And um, if any of you have had the... the um, the great privilege of spending any extended amount of time with someone with Down syndrome, you've probably been very blessed by that. Because, at least in Sissy's case, she had such a great sense of humor that she was always the first to laugh and very quick to make us laugh, even in those final uh, years of her life. I, I got to watch her be bedridden for the last year or two. I mean, she couldn't even leave her bed, and she suffered in many ways, but nonetheless never lost her sense of humor, and in doing so really brought the whole family together. Um, she really, above really anyone else, was the glue that brought us together by her unconditional love bringing everyone into her heart. And even though she never gave uh, birth to any child, she very much was a spiritual mother for the whole family. So I'll say all this because we're celebrating Mother's Day today, which is a very important day. It's not just like any other holiday because uh, mothers and fathers and families, this is a fundamental building block of society. So it's very important that we celebrate this day. Um, but sometimes Mother's Day can be hard for those that, don't, um, that haven't yet given birth to a physical uh, child. But, uh, but I want to reflect a little bit today on, um, in addition to biological mothers, just the beauty and the mystery and the dignity of all women. I think it's fitting to do so on today. I want to use some insights that I've uh, gotten from... Uh, St. Edith Stein, or you might know her as St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross, or maybe you haven't heard of her, but she, uh, she lived in the past century. She, um, she actually lived during the time of the uh, Holocaust. And she was uh, born Jewish and later on in life converted to Catholicism after reading an autobiography of St. Teresa of Avila. And she was very intrigued by the Catholic faith, and uh, she was very, very smart. She had her doctorate in philosophy, and she taught in universities. And eventually, um, through God's providence, she found herself joining the Carmelite religious order, so she became a nun. But she has some beautiful writings on uh, the mystery of womanhood. So one of the things she says is that all women, every single woman, is called to motherhood, but that motherhood, she defines, is something metaphysical rather than biological. That motherhood is first and foremost a spiritual vocation, 
And the biological motherhood is simply but a sign that points to the deeper and truer reality of the metaphysical motherhood, the spiritual vocation. And how could she say this? Well, she says this because she's, she's building off of the thought of St. Thomas Aquinas, who in his uh, theology and philosophy, he operates from a principle that uh, basically says that the material points to the immaterial. In other words, the physical points to the spiritual, that it's the spiritual world that's most true, and the physical world is but a sign. It's not that it's not true, but it only points towards something that's much greater. And the same can be said about the soul and the body. We understand that the human person is body and soul. You really can't separate the two. That we can, set, we can distinguish the two in our mind and in language, but in actuality, every human person is a body-soul composite. Which is to say that part of the human person, every person, is something Material and immaterial, something physical and spiritual. And she goes deeper and says that, therefore, whenever we look at the body, we can discover something about the soul because the soul is the form of the body. Or another way to say it is that the body reveals the truth of the soul. So that's some philosophical language, I understand, but basically what I'm trying to say and what she's trying to say is that as we look at the differences of the body, of the female body and the uh, male body, we notice that they're different. And she and St. Thomas Aquinas and and the theologians of the church, they, they would say that therefore even the soul is different, that there is something true about the feminine soul versus the masculine soul that our femininity and our masculinity run deeper than the physical, that what's most true is what's happening on the level of the soul. So I want to reflect a little bit further. St. Edith Stein says this, that as we look at the female body, we can discover something about the female soul. And she says that the female body is designed to be made one flesh with the man. It's also designed to nurse new life into the first stages of development. It's also designed to uh, bear new life as it develops in its early stages by, in its womb. So as we look at that on the physical level, what does that mean on the spiritual level? Well, one thing that we can say among many is that in particular, the female soul is it, uh, it makes room for others in her heart. That there's something unique about the mystery of the woman that deep down in the design of her soul, she's able to bring others into her heart. That she is designed to be a safe space for nurturing and for development. And this is true even if a woman has not physically gone through pregnancy and birth, that this is true for every woman, regardless of whether or not she's born a child, because it's deeply um, rooted in her design as a feminine person. Um, St. Thomas Aquinas, uh, not St. Thomas Aquinas, I already talked about him. St. John Paul II um, was a contemporary of St. Edith Stein. They lived around the same time period, and he was well aware of her philosophy and her work and her writings, and, um, and he kind of builds upon her ideas here, um, matching it up with uh, his understanding of theology 
and philosophy. And he actually, a few years later, wrote an, an apostolic letter to all the women in the world uh, titled Mulieris Dignitatem, The Dignity of uh, Women. And, and in this letter, he basically thanks women for being women, thanks the daughters for being daughters, and thanks the sisters for being sisters, thanks the wives and the mothers for being wives and mothers, and he celebrates what's unique and beautiful about each one of them. And we have to obviously be careful here, right, because there's a million and infinite different personalities that a woman can have. Some women are going to be more bold, others more passive, some are going to be more center of attention, others more behind the scenes, and none of that is more or less feminine, but, but there is something that's unique that all women share, particularly their feminine genius is how St. John Paul II would, would term it. And he says that the feminine genius um, is the unique capacity for a woman to be room for another, and their innate sensitivity to notice the goodness of the human person. That there is something unique about women that they are able to be a safe space to draw others into their heart and soul, and they're also quick to notice what's good in the other person, even sometimes, especially when that other person, it's hard to see the goodness, right? And sometimes they're quicker than men to notice the goodness of someone that's hard to love. So that's just some of what St. John Paul II says about it. And then he also points out that Mary is the model of this feminine genius, that although Mary was a, a biological mother for one person, she is the spiritual mother for all Christians, millions and millions of Christians. She's our mother, and therefore she models for us the dignity that all women are called to. You know, sometimes uh, women um, endure a great suffering whenever they aren't able to bear a child. Sometimes women find themselves struggling with infertility. Or sometimes women do bear a child, but, but some women have lost their children, or at least some of their children. And so there's a great suffering there, and sometimes they can feel like second-class women, like they aren't, you know, something's wrong with them, that something didn't, you know, they're not true mothers. Other women join religious life, and sometimes there might be that death to self of like, man, I wonder if I'm really a mother, even though I'm joining religious life. Or some just haven't yet found their spouse. Or some are still very young. They're still children, but they're still designed with the feminine genius. And St. Edith Stein would say that, that to become holy is to become a spiritual mother, regardless of whether or not you have biological children. And if you have biological children, you're not limited to just them. That you are still called to be a spiritual mother for everyone with which you come into contact. The late Archbishop Fulton Sheen once said um, that the level of any civilization, to some extent, can be measured by the level of its womanhood. Because when a man falls in love with a woman, he must aspire to become worthy of her. And the more noble her character and the higher her virtue the more he must aspire to become worthy of her. 
I think that's a beautiful thing that he said. I think there's a lot of truth to it because what he's saying is that there is a deep power that women have within them by virtue of simply being a woman. And that power, particularly if harnessed correctly, calls forth the man to be drawn out of himself and to rise higher, to be a stronger and a better man for her. That if the woman settles and doesn't challenge the man, the man will be less of a virtuous man. But if the woman challenges the man and calls that out of his soul, the man responds because there's something about the beauty, the mystery, and the dignity of the woman that makes him do so in a way that another man is unable to pull that out of him. All of this to say that there is something very special about the dignity of every woman, which is why St. John Paul II says that the vocation of every man is to defend the dignity of every woman, not just their spouse, but all women. So I just want us to think today, um, as we kind of celebrate Mother's Day, who in your life, who have been the women that have been the most impactful for you? Which women in your life have shaped you? Which women in your life have taught you how to love? And I hope that, that for many of you that has been your biological mother, but probably in addition, there's some other women. Maybe an adoptive mother, if you're adopted, or maybe a teacher, or a mentor, or a friend, or some type of other um, woman, maybe a religious sister, or a consecrated virgin, or some type of um, um, woman in the church, or in society, or at school. But who are those women that have really shaped you to become who you are today? And how can you honor them or, or show your gratitude to them this Mother's Day? Because in a real way, those women have been spiritual mothers to you. We celebrate Mother's Day, and we certainly don't want to take away from our biological mothers. That's extremely, extremely sacred and special, and we want to um, all be grateful for our bio- biological mothers. Whether or not you have a good relationship with them, whether she has been uh, perfect or imperfect or somewhere in between, we still want to be grateful. And we certainly um, want to um, recognize the spiritual motherhood of Mary, the Blessed Virgin Mary, who is the mother of us all. We want to thank her for her constant support and intercession. But today especially, just challenge all of us to um, reimagine the lens through which we see the dignity of the woman. And perhaps we can honor and reverence the dignity of all women today. Happy Mother's Day.